All right, we are back this week. Happy holidays from the Hardwood Huddle. No technical difficulties with the videos this week, which is more excited. Always a bonus. Oh yeah, it's 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 a Christmas miracle. And with me as always, he is the supreme leader. He is the one and only. He is Master Vader. He is Mr. Bill Ingram. Bill. Happy holidays, my friend. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Uh, you're, you're, happy, you're the most important one. Happy Thursday. <laughs> happy Festivus. We will now we will now start with the airing of the grievances. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so oh. that's just that's just the way it is. So, Bill, we are now finishing up day two of the. 2020-2021 NBA season, and I got to tell you, uh, you know, people are going to call me ridiculous. I know that we would rather have fans in the arena, but I'm digging it. I'm digging their, how they got the setup. They're, they're, they're hiding the weakness of no fans and, and showing that the uh, the games will go on. Yeah, they will, and um, it, it is bizarre. It's crazy that we're on uh, Christmas Eve as we're recording this, and uh, We've only had a game. Maybe some teams uh, haven't even played, but uh, but the NBA will persevere. Aside from Houston, where there just seems to be one problem after another, when half your team is down for one reason or another, and you can't even field enough players to play. <laughs> that's a that's certainly indicative of the way things have gone for the Rockets of late. Um, but. Hey, some teams came out of the gate looking good, and and it's a great time for uh, you know a lot of NBA fans don't even start watching till Christmas anyway. So this year they'll start watching at Christmas and see the beginning of the season. <laughs> yeah, well, what's what's funny too? It's every team has gotten started except for the Houston Rockets. Um, Thunder, yeah. Let's. I don't want to dive too deep into it because obviously. There's just so much to unload there, and I think every angle of it was taken from ESPN and Fox and everything. But I think it's fair that we can give a, uh, a try to give a different perspective. I, I, I want someone to call out, and it's gonna be me. I'm gonna call him out. But James Harden, my God, can we stop with the "woe is me" attitude? And everyone looks for something for me to pick. Be picked on, you know. Everyone picks on me for this and that. I'm like, I'm sitting there saying to myself, James, own it. Own real leaders own responsibility when you screw up. You know, that's the one thing that drives me crazy about this generation of NBA players. It's what this team is not giving me, what this player is not showing me any love. I need that. I need this to be successful. That's the attitude that drives me crazy from today's NBA player. And to be honest with you, this is why the Rockets are the way they are. And if, if your superstar does not believe in the system and your superstar doesn't believe in following the protocols, why should the rest of the team? Well, and this you've you've touched on one of my pet peeves here. Um, in the modern NBA, we call people superstars who are not. James Harden is a great scorer. He is. That doesn't make him a superstar. It does in the eyes of fans and you know the modern NBA world. But in terms of when you, when I think superstar, I think Michael Jordan. I think Akeem Olajuwon. I think LeBron. I think Steph Curry. I think Kevin Durant. Uh, these are not players who are going to point fingers when something doesn't go their way. Uh, and they just impose their will on things. Uh, and, you know, James Harden, 
every single bit of criticism that he's receiving, he's brought on himself. And I say this as a, a lifelong, hey, here it is. They suck, and I still got my Rockets. <laughs> I still represent the, the, the city where I grew up, uh, whether they suck or whether they're good. And, and when they're good, I'll tell you they're good. When they suck, they suck. And I, I just don't think, and you, you know this, I've said this for years, I don't think a team built around James Harden can win a championship. I just, your leader has to take ownership. Your leader has to set the tone. Your leader has to be the first one there for training camp, not the last one. Your leader can't be in a strip club when your team is supposed to be in training camp. Your leader can't be out there getting uh, potentially getting COVID and risking that for his teammates and blah, 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 blah. None of that shit is what a leader is. None of it. Yeah. Garden is not a leader. He's a great scorer. And that is it. That is his epitaph on his gravestone. When the ghost of Christmas yet to come shows, <laughs> it says great. scorer. It doesn't say champion. It doesn't say leader. It doesn't say superstar. <laughs> And at this point, it's too late in his career for him to change, too. You know, no visitation of Christmas spirits is going to change James Harden, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, that is what it is. As long as um, the crazy thing is, and Harden doesn't even understand this, is that if you really want to be traded, you shut the hell up and you go out there and you play and you play well and you remind teams what you bring to the table. Right now, all he's doing is reminding teams why you wouldn't that's <laughs> why teams are going to be like hey we'll give you a couple of first round picks for him because we don't know what we're getting in return yeah the scoring but look at all this other crap why would you bring that to the culture of your city uh, and that's why he's still a rocket yeah and the thing is no one's going to go no one's going to trade for him this is i think this is um almost as bad I don't, what's worse the chris weber situation from him leaving from Sacramento to go to Philadelphia or this situation? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Somebody, one of my many uh, friends from the NBA world texted me and asked me what I thought about the rumor of, you know, would I take Ben Simmons and a couple of first round picks for James Harden? I said, I'd take the first round picks. I mean, the cult, you can't have him on your team. You, you, he's destroyed the culture. He's bad for the team. He's bad for his teammates. Uh, and you do have some guys there in John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins who have a lot to prove and are ready to start proving it, I believe, in DeMarcus Cousins' case. I'm sure in John Wall's case. I'd take anybody that wants to play, you know, uh, but somebody who's doing all this stuff, it's addition by subtraction. I'd take whatever you can get. What about the situation now with him and the, and the team? Knowing, let's let's shift from James Harden over to the team, where they can't even get eight guys together. To get on the court together. Like I think if you would have opened it up in like on a classified section on like Craigslist three hours before game time, you might have gotten eight guys who can play. Couldn't you have gotten a bus down to Rio Grande or a flight? Uh, yeah, something. It could have been worked out. Vipers, you could have had somebody call up six players from the G League or something. Yeah, uh, it, but when you look at who was missing, though, there. I mean, there was no way they were going to win the game. Uh, because you're talking about John Wall and and DeMarcus Cousins among those who couldn't play, so just a bad bad situation all oh. around. Uh, yeah, it was. That's just an ugly situation. And the Oklahoma City Thunder was like, "Well, <laughs> all right, we're here." Sam Presti didn't want to play that game anyway because he <laughs> doesn't want to win. He's trying to get this message across. <laughs> I don't want to win yet. 
<laughs> Sam went, goes, all right, well, we're going to forfeit. Wait a minute, but this is not your fault. I know, but we need the losses. Right. <laughs> Give the Rockets the win. We're good with it. <laughs> and meanwhile, Adam Silver's listening to that going, wait a minute. So they're messing up. Their guy's getting fine suspended. They're not going into COVID, uh, you know, quarantine. But you want to give them the win? Listen, <laughs> he's in there going, listen, Adam, look at this draft board. I need every loss possible, okay? <laughs> That's such a, such a weird team and a weird situation, what's going on. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. The Oklahoma City Thunder, and uh, they were like, we are going to lose last season. And they end up in uh, the sixth seed. I think it was yeah the sixth seed in the in the NBA playoffs. Quite good, uh, yeah. quite good. Surprisingly good. They yeah, were. They're... I'd say they were the surprise team of the year. <laughs> yeah, and and meanwhile, their owner sitting there going, "Hey, everybody, this is great. This is great. I wish we were losing right now. Hey, everybody, this is yeah. great." <laughs> so now they've dealt Stephen Adams. They've dealt. Uh, you know, they just try to dismantle the team as much as they can, and. Even in preseason, they didn't look bad. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny. You know what this reminds me of? If you remember the movie Major League. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they have that situation where, they, where the owner gives everybody the list of the players she wants. And the guy goes, this guy's dead. <laughs> they cross him off the list, shall we? <laughs> that's, that's what Sam Presti's doing to the general manager. Here's the players. Antoine Walker, he hasn't played in years. Well, get him. Let's get him. But he'll help us achieve our goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the truth. Um, all right. So last show we did the uh, the Eastern Conference. Like that, that was really the big news that came out of yesterday was the Rockets. And I figured we address it and move forward with it. Uh, last week we talked about the Western Conference. This week we're talking about the East. And, you know, I was trying to figure out why everyone's all of a sudden very down on the Miami Heat. <laughs> I lost the game. I mean, yeah. Two well, or I, <laughs> well, no, not only that, but it's like everyone before the game starts, and even during the game, everyone's just like, "Well, Orlando's going to win this game because because of, of this with Miami." And I'm like, "Well, what happened with Miami?" And I'm looking at their roster. I'm like, "Same roster as last year. They didn't really do any major." <laughs> yeah, I'm just, they weren't I'm just, in the playoffs. Goran's back. Goran looked great. Uh, yeah, it's. It, I, I always think, isn't that the, sort of the problem though? The team that always is like the runner-up in the finals, they either stay put or they make drastic changes. And Pat Riley is going to ride this horse out, not thinking that the rest of the Eastern Conference has gotten better. But here's the problem. You have the Milwaukee Bucks, who I think after watching them, even though they lost last night uh, against Boston, again, we, we're, we're recording this we're, we're recording this on the 24th. Mm-hmm. Um you know, when you watch that game against Boston, you feel like Milwaukee sort of cleaned up some of the chemistry issues they had last year. Uh, Middleton played very, very well. They, they don't have Bloodsoe anymore. He's gone. I know there was a little bit of a tiff in the bubble with Middleton and Bloodsoe. So that's that that news came out uh, late last week. Um, you know, so you, you know, look. Do you the, look? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying that's right. I loved. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Drew Holiday was. Fabulous. Uh, you know, 20 games from now, we're going to talk about what a brilliant move that was. We're just, it's just one game so far against the other, maybe best team in the East. This was maybe Eastern Conference Finals preview, and the Bucks lost by one point. So it was a hell of a game. It was. Yeah, I really do think at the end of the day, Miami has to give a real sober look at the Eastern Conference and say, 
is this good enough? Because you have Milwaukee that solved their chemistry issues. You have Boston that's only going to get better, and they added Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson. That's the piece right there for Boston. That was that's a key piece because they were they were so thin up front. Yep. Then then you have uh, you have Philadelphia, which is like a wild card because you don't know what they're going to be doing with uh, Embiid and Simmons, and when Doc is the coach and Tobias Harris, and what's going to happen with them. And then you had Brooklyn, who came out on opening night and just destroyed the Warriors, even yep. though they were without Draymond. And they just seemed like they are still trying to mesh of what they really, really have as a team there. Understandably. I mean, they haven't had a chance to get anything going. And Ubre looked lost. He's not going to be lost for long. And yeah, yeah. a lot of. <laughs> a lot of. A lot of. Be a midseason, uh, you know, come into their own, sneak in and hurt somebody in the first round type team, I believe. Yeah, and I think that you're 100% correct. And also, if you're Miami, you're, there's a lot of teams that are better than you. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and uh, the ultimate factor, too, is you were in the NBA Finals last month. <laughs> 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 and when you're in the NBA Finals, <laughs> yeah. or what was it, two weeks ago? It seems like they were just ended. But uh, you were just in the Finals, which means even though you didn't win, you you have the, the target on your backs. Every yeah. team, Orlando's going to give you their best game of the season. Um, you know, in the West, we saw it happen with the Clippers. Paul George, uh, you know, as we've often said, he's good. He will look like the Paul George who led the Indiana Pacers to prominence in the East uh, 10 times this year. And the good news for the, the Clippers is he did it in the first game against the champs. The bad news is you've only got nine left. But when you are in the NBA Finals, you're going to get the best game that your opponent plays all year. That's just yeah. That's how it's going to be. And in the East, when several teams have gotten remarkably better, yeah, Miami can't afford to rest on their laurels at all. Yeah, yeah. and you look at the Eastern Conference top eight from last year, obviously you're going to, I think, maybe seven of the teams, six or seven of the teams will be back, maybe just in a different order. I think uh, Milwaukee's back there, Boston's back there, Philly's back there. Obviously, Brooklyn is going to move up. Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta's Atlanta's gonna <laughs> I, I think I'll tell you what coach has their hands full and is gonna really earn his money this year is be Nick Nurse getting yeah. that getting that Toronto team back. You lose a lot of pieces like that. You lose you lose half of that front, front you lose that front line depth that helped you so much in the playoffs the last few years with uh Gasol and Abaca. Yeah. Which leaves you Sockham, and then you have to start raising some of these young kids up there. Toronto, if Toronto makes the playoffs, they're a lower level team. And, and they're out in the first round. If, and as you mentioned, you've got a couple of teams that have improved so much. Somebody's going to fall out. Yeah. And Toronto, unless they make a deal uh, soon for front court help, Toronto, mm, I wouldn't want to be uh, in their shoes right now. Well, you know what's going to be a very interesting? Uh, here's a story to watch throughout the whole year. will be the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. <laughs> the Indiana Pacers can be a very interesting story because I always, you and I always call it loose parts. Over the years, Dave, when when Nate McMillan was the head coach there, they acquired a lot of loose parts, and Nate was able to make it work. And they've been in the playoffs, not only in the playoffs, but but successful in the playoffs. Yeah. So now you're going to have a whole new coaching system, a new new coach, new system with the same spare parts. And I, I'm wondering if they beat the Knicks last night. That's a foregone conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's bad with the Knicks going to opening night just saying, okay, so we're 0 1, right? You know, we know we didn't even jump, jump all. I know, we're 0 1. Okay. But you know, the thing but, in favor of the Pacers is that Sabonis has emerged as your best player. You have you have potentially a franchise player. Sabonis is fantastic. He'll mm-hmm. he'll take the load every night. Uh, the role that uh, Victor Oladipo was supposed to play. Victor's not going to be that guy. But how good is he going to be? They have Miles Turner, who's a very solid starting center. They have talent at a lot of different positions, as, as you just said, and as we've talked about. Is it going to mesh? Are they going to be a cohesive unit, or are they just going to be a bunch of guys who show up to play pickup and win a lot of nights? Um, and that's what remains to be seen. Yeah, I, it's, they're they're a wild card team to me in in my eyes. What they're going to be, what they're not going to be, and another one other wild card team is again we're going to see how good of a coaching job he can do, but that's going to also be down in Orlando and Steve Clifford. Steve Clifford has done a great job with that Orlando team. They've been the eighth seed. Seventh, eighth seed now for the last couple seasons, but now you had the same the same core group of guys and the same type of team now for the last couple of years. And if you're saying to to me that the seventh, eighth seed is going to be the best this Orlando Magic team can do, then you might as well just go back to the drawing board and start over again. Because where what's your goal? What's your goal if you're in Orlando? Because all these other teams in the Eastern Conference are better than you. They're just better than you, and you're stuck in that seventh, eighth spot. At one point, is it worth just saying, "Hey, we're going to lose for a couple more years and get high, and, and get higher draft picks and get a new crop of players in here and try to build a new nucleus?" That's what Chicago's doing, especially when Orlando. You're not talking about a team that has a bunch of young players anymore, except for Markel Fultz. Potentially, uh, he's certainly shown himself to be a much better player in Orlando than he was in the system in Philly. But when you're talking about uh, Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon and you know Terrence Ross, these are not young players anymore who are going to evolve together and become something. They are what they're going to become. So what's going to, you know, when you when you talk about it, they're, are they going to be better than the seventh or eighth seed? Well, what's going to make that happen? Who's going to take another step as a player to make that happen? Is it Markel Fultz? I... Maybe, but really the magic, it is. It's time to either, you're either going to make a run or you're not. And the unit that they're putting on the floor right now is a good unit, but it's not a great unit. It's not a home court advantage unit. And when the East, when the top teams in the East got so much better and used to the same, yeah. <laughs> like Miami, that's who you are. So, yeah. Do you give it one more year? Do you make a big move to try to add another star piece? Or do you do what Chicago's doing and and blow it up? Blow it up and say, hey, where are we going to be five, six years from now? And I'm looking at the Orlando Magic roster right now. And you still, you know, obviously you have Nicola there. He's, you know, all star, re signed with the team. Terrence Ross is still there. Jonathan Isaac. Fultz just signed a new deal with them. Uh, Aaron Gordon is still there. Evan Foreigner, James Enos. Yeah, these are not Michael Carter Williams is still there. Like this is not exactly you, you have a very mishmash, which is what Steve Clifford likes, by the way. Steve Clifford did a, a lot with that Charlotte Hornet team that had Al Jefferson, Jeremy Lynn, Nick Batoon. That mm-hmm. that that team got Nick Batoon a big deal. Yeah. And and, and never lived up to it afterwards. And right. that's and that's and that's part of the problem. You know, I think I really do think. That's where. What's the right way of saying this? 
you, the, where where you spend your money is is key. And, you know, this year Golden State has the highest payroll of 173 million. Yeah. And Brooklyn is 17 million below that. Mm-hmm. Can we, you and I honestly say that the Warriors are a championship level team uh, without Clay Thompson? Well, you got to remember that part of that 137 million, million is Clay Thompson sitting on the sideline. Yeah. Um, if you took that away, it's a slightly different conversation. If he's healthy, yes, there's no question. I'll take the yeah. word. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is what is Kelly Oubre going to become? You know, he can score 20 on a given night for a bad team. A lot of a lot of players can score 20 on a given night for a bad team. The the uh, Timberwolves have quite a, had quite a few guys who look great on a bad team, but they don't win. Uh, and yeah. now two of those guys are in Golden State. In, in Wiggins and in Oubre, you've got two of those guys who I don't, Wiggins never really put up great numbers. In fact, he's the only player to play more than 30 minutes in a game without recording a single statistic of any kind. Not a foul, not a turnover. <laughs> like, well, I want visible. Uh, so are these guys who are going to suddenly. And hey, full credit to Steve Kerr and his staff and Steph Curry as a leader. They have great uh, pieces in place. It's it's a winning culture there. But can you bring losing player players from a losing culture into a winning culture and have them become winners? Sometimes, sometimes you can. But that's the question for the Warriors right now. Well, here's here's their salary breakdown. If, if you want to hear something that's a little scary, <laughs> this is scary. Steph's making forty three this year. Which I never thought I would ever say about an NBA player's salary. Yes, but he's making forty-three this year. Clay is sitting at home counting his money in rehab at thirty-five. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, this is the number that sort of broke, blows my mind. Is twenty-nine-five? My God! And Draymond is at twenty-two. Uh, two. Next year is the last year of Steph's contract, forty-five-seven. You know he's going to try and start working working his way into a new deal. There's no player option. There's no team option. It's just next year's the last year of his contract. Yeah. Uh, and also, Steph Curry's contract includes a trade kicker, according to Mark uh, to Marcus Thompson. And Draymond Green, he gets 25% of his annual salary on July 1st and another 25% on October 1st, according to Jeff Siegel. So, and there's little notes here about the rest of the uh, contracts. But after Draymond, Kelly Oubre makes 14. Then rookie James, James Wiseman is 8. Kevin Looney at four. The salary is a little, you know, you're you're top heavy. Yeah, you're, you're very top heavy, top heavy, and that's and that's the number one team in the league. The New York. If I would have told you that the New York Knicks were number thirty in the league in salary, would you believe me? <laughs> Nobody wants their money, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're oh. we're, we're going to give you thirty million, thirty five million dollars to play here. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll take the minimum at uh, any other team. Besides Houston, <laughs> and, if, and if you want one that's just as great as the uh, the Warriors' salary, you're going to get a lot of this. Their top salary, Julius Randle at eighteen nine. Oh, yeah, Randle. You know they were trying to land a, a somebody that was that had a lot of potential, and he does. You just haven't put pieces around him. I mean, I think Julius Randle could be a very very good player on a winning team. If it wasn't the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. RJ Barrett's next at eight. Like these are actually reasonably 
set salaries. By the way, the Knicks are still playing Jakeem Noah at 6-4 for the next two years. Are they the only ones still playing him? Paying him? Walking him? No, I, I, I have a strange feeling that the Chicago Bulls are somehow still playing him. They? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh boy. Or they're, or they're paying for him, one or the other. <laughs> Noah is the perfect uh, example of a player who was great in one particular mix of players. That Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler, Chicago Bulls team, he was Itaj Gibson. He was exactly what they needed. Not any – it doesn't function anywhere else. <laughs> well, you're, you're going to love this note about the Julius Randle contract. You ready? Only $4 million guaranteed in 21-22. Hoops Hype's learned – this. all this information is coming from HoopsHype.com. His contract became guaranteed, if not waived, by June 28, 2021. So, <laughs> so you know what the Knicks are going to be doing on June 28th, 2021. Here's your walking paper, Julius. Here's your $4 million check. We are not responsible for you for the rest of your life. That's Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, uh, no money guaranteed for Austin Rivers contract. Uh, he, his 21-22 becomes fully guaranteed, if not waived, seven days after the end of the 21-22 um, Warrior period. So there's all these little fun tidbits about the con uh, the contracts, the language that's written in there now for all the teams. And by the way, for those Oklahoma City Thunder fans who are looking forward to losing, uh, you're second to last in salary at 96. Next year, the Knicks are at 36.8. Next, uh, and Oklahoma City will be at 45.9 last uh, next year. So very interesting numbers at the bottom of the NBA salary uh, salary cap. Yeah. I just think, uh, and by the way, you know, you know how some of these sites are. They go four years down the road. The, for the 23-24 season, right now, the Knicks have no money guaranteed to anybody, <laughs> and no draft picks either, right? And, and, uh, yeah. And meanwhile, it says here the amount of draft picks by the 23-24 season, the Oklahoma City Thunder are now up to 24 draft picks. Yeah. <laughs> I understand the strategy, but. Gosh. I'm glad you do, is I sure as hell don't. <laughs> well, you're hoping that you're going to have one of these amazing drafts like we saw in the, the star-laden drafts of the 90s where you turned out all these amazing rosters. And, and even the 80s, you had some just incredible drafts. And you're hoping you're going to have five picks in a top, in the top 10 in a, in a league-changing draft. The problem is, and, and we've talked about this extensively, and Larry Brown agreed with us and, and gave some additional insight uh, a while back, I think last summer when he was on the show. Uh, we don't have those drafts anymore because what you have now is a lot of young players. Um, the last time a senior was drafted in the NBA draft was 2006. That's your stat. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, that's my stat. The top five pick, 2006, so was number five. What we have is a whole bunch of picks, high picks probably, um, for a bunch of players. And you're, it's almost you just are gambling, hoping that you're going to pick somebody who five years later is going to be a star. If it's the 90s and I have all those first-round picks, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm confident. But in the 2020s with that many picks, I mean, okay, all right. <laughs> let's see what happens unless yeah. you, the other thing is you could deal them for, for it gives you some flexibility. This is what Daryl Morey was always doing. He was always uh, stockpiling picks so that he could uh, move them for assets when, you know, jump on a situation like James Harden or a team 
just really needs to move somebody and they'll do something crazy to do it. And you have those assets to use and trade. So it's flexibility. That's what he's doing. Sam Presti. Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I'm glad he knows what he's doing. <laughs> we'll see if it works. I don't know if it'll work, but that's what yeah. he's doing. <laughs> I'm glad somebody knows what he's doing because I'm not sure if he knows what he's doing. I think he's waking up and going, uh, yeah, fool you. <laughs> By the way, if anyone wants to know what it's going to look like on the draft lottery, I can show you a picture. I will be glad to show it to everybody right. Oh, where'd you go? Ah. Oh, yeah. That's that one with all. Yeah, I was going to show that wonderful picture. There it is. There it is. <laughs> That's what the draft lottery is going to look like, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and what's awesome is we look right here. There's Patrick Ewing with the Knicks. Right. And all, and all. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that's pretty much what it's going to be. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's pretty much the way it should be. I, th I think great moments like that need to be documented. Anyways, with so that being said, one other thing at least that we have to talk about. Well, two things um, from our just the first couple of nights of action, and one is the way the uh, Utah Jazz handled Portland. And when oh, I say God, it was not close. Oh. Yeah, and the thing I love about this is if you if you were watching preseason, uh, what it, such as it was, um, Michael Con Mike Conley looks very comfortable in Utah in that lineup now, and that was something we we saw maybe a few times last year, but it was like maybe they need to cash him in, but to their credit, they sat on him and kept him, and he looked really good in preseason, and he looked fantastic last night in their first game uh, and the entire squad. Uh, obviously they had injuries in the, in the playoffs, but now that everybody's healthy, Utah, Hey, we can talk about Portland and the Lakers, uh, but Utah to me, if they're healthy and Derek favors just looked fantastic. Well, I, I was just about to say that I wanted you to finish your thought, but he, is it me or is like that? Like the, the, the under the radar offensive or under, under the radar acquisition of the offseason because he is just a double double. And who, what name? Give me a team right now that doesn't want a double double guy who's going to be able to give you 16 points and 10 boards a game. And he'll come off the bench and be happy and do the hard work, or he can start if there's a situation, or he, and he just doesn't care. He's 100% team first. And when I spoke to, I have a very good friend in their front office, and we were talking about offseason moves, and he said, Well, I'm not blowing uh, our own horn but no one's talking about Derek favors. And that was the best move of any team, you yeah. know, and when you, and I, and I agree with him. And, and again, it's not somebody who just wants to make himself. He's not that kind of guy at all. But um, when you look at a team that was as good as they were, so the chemistry is there and Derek favors is very familiar with Utah. <laughs> so you made a move for a guy who's going to do nothing but compliment your chemistry and your talent. And you didn't blow up. You don't have, uh, you know, all the other teams save Portland. Portland really with Covington. Most of the teams in the West made a lot of moves. You know, there was a lot of shakeup. The Lakers certainly did. Uh, Clippers shake up their coaching staff. You know, there's major changes going on. But the Jazz, who were looked tight, looked like title worthy, uh, title worthy team when healthy last year, um, didn't do that. They, they just kept their group together. They let them grow together and keep that chemistry going. 
And I, that's something that in a shortened season can really help. I mean, big time. And, and Portland did not seem engaged at all last night in being there. No, they, it, didn't, it didn't look like – is this still preseason? Wait, is it? Oh, this one counts. <laughs> I, I, some, some other quick observations from what I saw for the first two nights of the NBA. Um, one of the things I, re- I looked at opening night, that Clippers Lakers game, I, you know, I obviously you knew it wasn't going to be a twenty something point lead for the Clippers all night. Like I, mm-hmm. I saw the minute they went up big, I'm like, you know, the Lakers are coming back. But yeah. I, I, I looked at the Lakers and that you just said, you know, they did a roster overhaul. They looked very, like, oh, I didn't. Hello, my name is with some of the new players on that team because LeBron didn't even really. There was no chemistry with the Lakers whatsoever. No, nope. I didn't. I didn't sense. I didn't sense even when they climbed back into the game. I never sensed that the Lakers were going to come back and win that game. I felt that the Clippers took an early lead. I feel that 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 Clippers roster and I listened to what Reggie Miller and Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley and Shaq and and Ernie Johnson and everybody on that TNT crew said about the Clippers. And they're 100% right. The Clippers have to come out this season with a chip on their shoulder like they had something taken away from them last year. They have to sh- put up or shut up and say, we're, we are a title contender. They did have something taken away from them last year. They took it away from themselves. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. They need, they need to come out and, and show that this is them, that they're, they're, not, they're not that. And that's what they need to come out as. Yeah. Um, the Lakers. So the Lakers and Clipper game. That's the major observ- observation I made. I felt like the, the Lakers really didn't have any chemistry. And and also, did you pick? Did you did you get to watch the ring ceremony at all? No. Okay. I I was a very. I, not to keep beating on uh, on this drum, but my fiance came to mention to me. How come they're not saying anything about Kobe? And I said to her, I said, I think they want to leave well enough alone. That's uh, you know, I can imagine the conversation that was had. I think you have to say we if it's if it's me, we won this for Kobe. Last year was they had to, they had to win it for Kobe. They had to win the championship. It was the only worthy tribute. Right, words are great. You can say all kinds of things, and people did. Uh, Kobe was so much to the NBA besides a player for the Lakers. Um, and so, but I think I, I can understand not doing it. I can understand, okay, let's, let's leave that pain in the past. But at the same time, you want it for Kobe. You know they did. So, yeah. So why not, why not just put it out there one last time and just say, this was for Kobe and then move on? You know what I mean? Spotlight on Jersey, you know? And yeah. Yeah. And, and some of the other observations, um, I, I think um, I have to start looking at Brad Stevens and wondering if he's really the right coach for the NBA for, for this particular Celtics team. I When Brad Stevens first came into the league, he was coaching players that were uh, – man, I'm trying to say this in, in the right way. But they were young enough to be – because he, he was a great coach in college, old enough to be the same kids he was coaching in college. Yep. Now you – now. And now you're starting to have veterans in there that may not want to go into the same type of college system that Jason Tatum and you know Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart bought into. Yeah. So so I, I honestly have to start wondering. They had a nice win last night. I think that they're going to be going deep into the playoffs. But I think that lack of knowledge from a coaching standpoint is what's going to hold them back from getting to the finals. They showed all his shortcomings. The team's shortcomings over the last three or four years of being short of coming to the finals. 
Well, that's why they added Evan Turner for that. Uh, why did they? Why is Evan Turner a coach now? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but I, I again, I, there's you know how you just look at a team and the way they're playing and what they're doing, and you just sort of wonder what they're what are they doing? Like they, they do? like. Like the Atlanta Hawks have made it clear what they want to do. They want to compete to win, so they they put a group of talent together. And I'm sure, look, if I'm a GM and I'm an owner, I'm not going to ask my star player Trey Young what he wants there because he's twenty something years old and he's still a baby in this game. That's so right. you're not you're not asking. Don't ask not, the player who they need on their roster. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the coach, the coach, the general manager. And the owner all got together and said, let's assemble a team. And it's going to take a little while for that Atlanta team to get there. And it's funny. We were just talking about the, the top teams in the East. We really didn't even <laughs> jump into Atlanta. But yeah. the simple fact of the matter is the, 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 the thing with Boston sort of scares me a little bit. That's observation number two. And I then observation, say, though, when we were talking about playoff teams in the East, Atlanta's going to take one of those spots because they're right. going to. Right. <laughs> the offseason they have. They are going to absolutely take one of those spots. Yeah, and and I will tell you that Atlanta. I'll, I'll tell you whose spot they're probably going to end up taking. I, I have a, I have Toronto. a, yeah, yeah. It's either going to be it's either going to be Toronto, or it's going to be uh, it might be. Look, it might be Orlando's. Could be. It ain't going to be Brooklyn's. Be. I'll tell you that much right now. Uh, <laughs> Unless somebody gets hurt. <laughs> yeah, and and then the, the the other observation um, I made is I watched a little bit of the Denver game the other night, and mm. man, I I got to tell you, the same thing that we just discussed about Orlando, Orlando, same goes with Denver. Same goes with Denver. When do you when start saying this core group is not going to work? Is not well, they've hit their ceiling, and they didn't do anything to bust through it during the offseason. They didn't add a piece. Dallas did the same thing. Dallas uh, is going to be very competitive. Luka's going to be <laughs> – my God, that kid is incredible. So much fun to watch. Uh, but Josh Jackson is not their third star. You needed someone – you needed a, a legit player because, you know, Kristaps Porzingis is going to miss 20 or 30 games starting with now. <laughs> and yeah. you – somebody to fill that in and they'll be very competitive as they were against the Suns in their first game. Uh, but the, it's awfully hard to win without that additional star. Um, I, I will say this in defense of Brad Stevens in defense of the Celtics um, last year, they desperately needed front court help and they didn't get it. Yeah. And so during the off season, the Ainge did get exactly what they need for Boston, and I think Boston could be in the finals based on that move, especially when Walker's healthy and you've got Walker and T-Port. So your points on Brad Stevens are, are duly noted, and if they don't get to the finals, I mean, they have the talent to be there, so if they don't get there, you have to look at coaching. But recognize a weakness, and they did address it. Well, Bill, we uh, we have reached the end of our time together for this Christmas episode. Oh. I would like to wish I would like to wish you a very, 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 very Star Wars like Christmas. May the tree be with you. <laughs> <laughs> and and I like to wish our audience 
Uh, a big hearty thank you for 2020. Uh, we had some oh. great guests. We're, we're gonna re we have, we're gonna start reloading. Um, we're gonna be back in January of 2021. We are going to change the format up a little bit. Start doing some more history stuff. Do a little bit of current product and start going bring bring some great interviews in as well. That only the hardwood huddle will be on a little bit more consistently. But stay tuned. January 2, 2021. Bill will be here with a new hat. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> I think we need to get you a lifesaver. I think that would be the best thing ever. Every show. Especially with the Mandalorian cranking things up with Luke at the end there. Yeah. (laughs) On a final note, my favorite thing after that was Mark Hamill's tweet on Saturday morning, which was, see anything good on TV lately? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, is that the best kept secret ever that he was going to be doing that? Oh, my God. When Red 5 flew across, I was like, that was. <laughs> you know what the best part oh about boy. that, too, by the way? The best part of it was he was like, wow. Usually the, the, the camera ends 20 pounds in five years. Apparently the TV does very well for Mark Hamill. <laughs> uh you can't, you can't, you can't make it up. All right, follow the Hardwood Huddle at backsportspage.com. Backsportspage.com. Follow the Hardwood Huddle. Uh, we're on, we're on, uh, we're everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, you name it, we're there. And uh, a lot more things. And Bill, our own YouTube channel is is a coming. Woo! <laughs> for Bill, things for building. For Bill Ingram, I'm Randy Zellia. We'll see you next time in the huddle. Merry Christmas, everybody.